104.7 The Cave. KKLH, Marshfield, Springfield. A proud member of the Kansas City Chiefs radio network. Touchdown, Kansas City! Now, it's time for Ned Talk. Well, the rain has temporarily moved away, and we have a at least a little bit of sun today to get out and dry things up. I'm Joe Weston, joined in the studio by Ned Reynolds. Ned, how are you? Damp and waterlogged. <laughs> Damp <laughs> waterlogged. Okay. I love the honesty. And uh, with us today is John Oliver. John, how are you? I'm, I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Lots of exciting things to talk about. We've got uh, a player on the COVID list this week. Josh Roberts is out. Who knows where Jake's at? It's called a telephone, Jake. You might look into it at some point <laughs> and see how that functions. Little invention that's come around over the last few years that seems to help people's lives out. Let's start out with the, uh, I guess, the major sporting event this weekend, which is the PGA Championship. And we've got it on in the studio right now. And I'm looking at the top five and none of the names in the top five mean anything to me. Now, I will admit I'm a casual golf fan. And one of the things that I wanted to talk about as we uh, start out the show today is is Tiger Woods or any of the other big names not being there on the leaderboard. Is that detrimental to golf? Is that detrimental to to the health of the game? Not even being in the tournament. Yes, yes. I think mm-hmm. it is detrimental. Mm-hmm. Not, not necessarily to the game itself, Joe, but to the TV audiences and the identification with the event. Yes, uh, Tiger Woods. And, and we'll see this in a tangible sense probably as soon as tomorrow or Tuesday when the TV ratings for the final round come out because I think they're probably going to be quite low since Woods is not, has withdrawn from the competition. In terms of the identities of the top golfers, I think this is probably symbolic of how the game is changing. These guys, now you are admittedly a casual follower yep. of golf. Mm-hmm. Those guys are all collegiate All-Americas and great players. Tremendous players. The kid from Chile was an All-America, Texas Tech, uh, mm-hmm. Peralta. Uh, Zalatoris is from Wake Forest. Cameron Young is from Wake Forest. Th- th- these are all really top-level players. So in time, they are going to be big names on the tour, and they will be. One of those guys is probably going to win. Abraham Answer uh, from <laughs> the guy's a Mexican, but he's All-American Arizona or Arizona mm-hmm. State, one of those two. Regardless of that, they are all excellent golfers and will be eventually making names for themselves. It's, it's just the nature of the profession. Mm-hmm. They're showing Fitzpatrick walking in right now. <laughs> In the parking lot, it was pretty much an advertisement for Cadillac Escalades <laughs> as he walked in. John, what about you? I mean, I, th- I, th- I think from knowing you as well as I do that golf is probably, you're just a casual golf fan too. Very casual. There. So, I mean, do you have yeah. any interest in watching today? I mean... I do. Um, I love the game of golf. I'll say that. And, you know, watching it on TV isn't the most enthralling thing. I know some people, I mean, it's relaxing if I'm doing something in the background, I like having it on. And I enjoy watching the greats of the sport. I think golf has a few things working against it right now. Obviously, in this tournament with Woods withdrawing, that is a major draw. And as Ned said, we'll probably see that in the ratings. You know, the last thing that really put golf back in the headlines is the feud between DeChambeau and... Brooks Kepka, that isn't really even going on right now. So I think another thing that it doesn't get brought up enough is this Saudi tour 
is really hurting it. You've got guys like Sergio Garcia that when he hits a bad shot is like, I'm, I can't wait to be off this tour. You've got Phil Mickelson obviously just biding his time until he can play in that. I think they're going to lose a lot of talent to that. And I don't know that the PGA can prevent that from happening eventually. So it is a changing time. The neat thing about events like this is this is where someone can get established and then, you know, start winning, win a major, and then kind of elevate themselves to somebody, you know, that people will tune in and, you know, not pay to see, but they're paying for something. Would you say that there's probably a bidding war going on right now if whatever white-collar prison gets Phil Mickelson to be on the golf team? <laughs> yes. No comment? More than likely, the, uh, the Saudis are looking at him and beckoning and saying, come on, and mm-hmm. Phil is an iconoclast. I don't care what any you like him or not. Mm-hmm. The guy is not overwhelmingly popular. I have not read any of the book that's been released. It was I have not it's, either. But it's an unauthorized biography. I am told from other individuals who have that he is responsible for betting as much as $40 million. I did see that. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's a lot of money, gang. Yeah. Now, that is a lot of money. It, 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 and it was legally done, of course. Mm-hmm. He's out in Vegas. He can do whatever he wants. That's beside the point. But I'm going to partially disagree with you, uh, John, in mm-hmm. terms of the effect of the Saudi tour. Yes, it is going to be there, and yes, the money is there. But what the, these guys who are playing this game want the notoriety as mm-hmm. well as the money. Is the notoriety going to be there? Does that Saudi tour have any kind of TV impact in any way like the PGA tour does? Mm-hmm. And it isn't anywhere near oh, as no. long, mm-hmm. and nor are the events as renowned as these are here. I think it'll take if if it ever is going to have an impact on the PGA, it'll be it would be in a great amount of time. I don't think mm-hmm. it'll be right away, and there might be some who leave. But over, I think the bulk stay here in this country. Gotcha. Yep. You're listening to Ned Talk, your local live sports talk show. I'm Joe Weston, Ned Reynolds, and John Oliver in the studio today. Uh, let me ask you this: uh, kind of a, a sidebar that comes up for all this. When we, we, you talked about Phil Mickelson, obviously, mm-hmm. I know both of you guys' opinions on. On Tiger Woods, and I don't think that's either here nor there uh, for our conversation today. But does anybody in the golf world give you the warm, fuzzy feeling other than Fuzzy Zeller? <laughs> He's not even on anymore. <laughs> He's senior tour. Um, you mean in, in terms of identification and somebody yeah. you're going to watch all the time? I don't think there is that person on the tour at the moment, no. Now, that's not to say somebody won't come along and immediately capture America's uh, identification. Oh my God! Look who's there. Have to remember something about Woods. He is—he's number one, a tremendous player in his time. He's not now, but he was in time. He's also—he appealed to the ethnic groups in the country, and that made a major difference in his identification. Yes, great player, and yes, somebody who's unique to what he was doing. That, that kind of person isn't there anymore, at least at the moment, in my opinion. What do you think, John? I'd agree with that. I mean, having, you know, watched Tiger's career and, you know, remembering the extreme hype back in the late 90s, early 2000s, what Tiger did for the sport is guys like Davis Love III and Sergio Garcia, they got name recognition because everybody was looking for the next Tiger Woods and who was going to be this foe that was going to try to upend him. You don't really have that right now. You don't have someone dominating and anybody really challenging the throne at this stage. I, you know, when I watch golf, even the the guys that are the big names, the names that come to mind 
when I think about the game right now, I don't think anybody gives me that that feeling of, you know, excitement. Like, I want to pull for that guy. I want to pull mm-hmm. against that guy. I mean, there was Arnold Palmer and Jack Nicholas, And I think when they had their kind of rivalry, Arnold Palmer was seen as the good guy. Mm-hmm. Jack Nicholas was seen as the bad guy. <laughs> and you don't have that sort of rivalry in golf anymore. Mm-hmm. Basically, what you see is just a bunch of uh, rich guys out walking around that are kind of, <laughs> you know, whether you, yeah. whether you, it's true or not, but you kind of have this kind of perception that they seemed a little entitled and maybe out of touch, and then they're out there playing golf. So, I, I mean, I feel like pro golf has, has lost a little of its cachet for the average or the casual viewer. It's not every man's sport. No. no. That's exactly no, what's No, not right. at all. And, and uh, that is, in fact, a knock against the game. Not mm-hmm. Yeah, the, the, the hackers get out there and they play, but yes, they are also, for the most part, country club players. Mm-hmm. And they are, or individuals. Not all. Many go to the public courses and all that. But We it have is, some nice public courses here. Let and me there is that. no question about that. We do. Heck, I used to play the game mm-hmm. many, many years ago. I me too. gave it up because... Too slow, but not <laughs> like fast sports. Gazelle, but, right, <laughs> but the fact of the matter remains: it has that identification mm-hmm. as one. And you made that's a good point, Joe. To the entitled, I you know I I I played a lot in college, and one of the reasons why I played was it was very relaxing. It was it was, it was mm-hmm. great to play, and it was great to just get out and walk around with your mm-hmm. buddies, have a good time. I know a lot of guys. Uh, get involved in golf that are in music, which, mm-hmm. you know, we, of course, do that here part-time on 104.7 The Cave. <laughs> get out and play golf, and, uh, you know, it's a way for them to get away from prying eyes and dealing with people mm-hmm. all the time, and then just get out and walk around and do something different for a change. But mm-hmm. it's, I think it's a little disappointing that golf hasn't capitalized on Tiger Woods. It is, and here's the problem with that. So it's hard to capitalize because the game, and I think you know, both of you kind of alluded to this. It's not accessible for lower income and for other countries necessarily. When you look at what it takes to play a round of golf today, you've got your cart rental. You have to have clubs or you can rent them. Clubs are not cheap. I still yeah. have mine. I remember what I paid. And then the greens fees just for playing are very high. This is not something that, uh, you know, an eight to five person making minimum wage can really do. And there's not like just a, you can't just go hit balls in a field and practice shooting, you know, at holes and things like that. You look at baseball and football, you can find something that looks like a football. You can play football. Baseball, you see what happens in the Dominican, you know, milk carton gloves, and you can find a ball, you can find a stick. Um, Soccer, you know, any ball, you can practice soccer. Golf, you've got to have the equipment, which just isn't cheap under any means, and it's hard to replicate the circumstances of the actual sport unless you're in a well-to-do area that has that sort of thing. I think one of the things that's probably working well for golf, though, right now mm-hmm. is the uh, the proliferation of places like uh, a place that advertises right here on the radio stations, Big Shot Golf. Absolutely, that people yeah. can get out and they don't have to play around a golf, mm-hmm. and they don't, and they can, and it's almost in a sense. And, and look, this is not knocking anything; just almost a sense, kind of like making it a little bit like bowling. Mm-hmm. Is that, hey, it's a group sport. We can get out with a bunch of people. We Mm -hmm. can do this. We can have a good time. Nobody's worried about scores. Nobody's worried about how bad anybody is. We're just out here having a good time, and we can listen to music, eat food, drink, Mm -hmm. do whatever we want to do. And I I think that that's been, you know, 
I don't think we'll see any, anybody come out of Big Shot Golf to be <laughs> to be an NBA to be a PGA Tour person, but you might see somebody's kid, you know, who gets into the game who wasn't there before because they got out and were doing stuff like that. Yeah. I think you're all right. Your your point's really well taken, though. Back when I was a kid growing up, mm -hmm. I, admittedly, this is many, many decades ago, <laughs> I was fascinated with baseball. Mm -hmm. I would take a baseball out in our backyard, small little area that it was, and mm -hmm. throw pop-ups to myself. Exactly. That yep. you could do. Or you could throw the ball yeah. against the concrete steps and field it and all that sort of thing. You can't do that yeah. in golf. Yeah, I couldn't I couldn't get a golf club and drive in my neighborhood. <laughs> I, yeah. My parents would have been sued recklessly. <laughs> I mean, it's just, it's not something you can no. do in a small area with easy equipment. So you can't do it. Mm -hmm. You can't do it. It is not readily accessible. And the same can be said for uh, some of the other sports, for instance, in hockey. Mm -hmm. But then again, that's why all the, or not all, but many are from, if not all, from parts of the world that are cold, where mm -hmm. the ice and the ponds are frozen over. You can go out there mm -hmm. and get a makeshift puck and a makeshift stiff and, and a biscuit and hit it back and, and a biscuit yeah there yeah, you go just grab a biscuit off the table and slap it around we used to mm -hmm. play in the in the my mom would get out these little you know the plastic lids oh they would go on something and we would get in our socks and we would play in the uh in the kitchen my dad was all about creating games in the house oh we nice created all these these games that we could play in the backyard or the house whether it was just <laughs> one or two of us and he was he was almost genius for coming up with these games that we play and in my house it was always okay to throw a ball just not hit my mom's clock that was the big deal just don't hit the clock everything else is everything else is going to be okay i could tell you one on, in, in my case growing up there's an old old style new jersey home that we were raised in i have two brothers and uh, my younger brother and i identified very much in athletics we played basketball inside the goal <clears throat> was the sill over top of the door oh. you had to put the tennis ball in there and the backboard, of course, was the wall. Mm -hmm. And it was great fun until mm -hmm. you started to knock the plaster loose in the yeah. wall. And that didn't, that didn't go over very well. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think one of the greatest inventions in the world was the Nerf basketball goal, the Absolutely. original one that first came out. And we, uh, we would play in the laundry room, which mm -hmm. at, at my parents' house was not very big. It's probably, I would say it's a probably eight-by-eight eight room mm -hmm. with a washer-dryer in it in a, and a... Uh, and a water heater. Mm -hmm. And uh, my dad was, was quite tall. He, well, you know, he not average height, six foot two. Mm -hmm. And we would play all the time in there. And it would get, it would get rough. There would be people oh. banging against the door and, and all <laughs> yeah. this, all this sort of stuff. And, and, uh, but we were all about doing stuff like that. And, you know, and I think that goes to popularity of sports and why mm -hmm. certain sports are kind of declining in popularity and other sports mm -hmm. are going up in popularity and how well the major sports do in getting people interested in that sport, especially at lower levels and younger levels with kids. I think the NBA and basketball has done an extremely good job of getting youth involved in that sport. And again, it's a fairly easy sport. You really need mm -hmm. a ball. Um, basketball goals are around everywhere. everywhere. I think the sport that's probably done the worst at it is baseball because it's now become almost Agreed. a golf situation with it baseball. Yeah. In the sense, you have to have the field, but again, you do have the implements. Baseball doesn't necessarily have to be, a, I think we used to take uh, out of the core of the baseball 
when it was the cover was coming off and wrap tire tape around it. Oh, yeah. There's always something that you can use and you can throw and you can throw it up in the air and so forth and so on. Yeah, as far as the playing of the game, it does take some level of organization and some room to do it in. But but in regards to playing it amongst yourselves and throwing and having a catch with somebody, oh yeah, it's 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 quite prevalent that you can do that. It just isn't appealing anymore. Uh-huh. Well, when we come back, we'll talk a little bit about what's going on in Major League Baseball. Try to catch up on the Chiefs. It's Ned Talk, your local live sports talk show, 104.7 The Cave. You're listening to Ned Talk on 104.7 The Cave, part of the Kansas City Chiefs Radio Network. to Ned Talk on 104.7 The Cave. A proud member of the Kansas City Chiefs Radio Network. Let's talk a little baseball. <laughs> it's that time of year. We're about the uh, quarter point of the season so far and seems unbelievable, but that's where we're at. And so how are St. Louis Cardinals doing right now? They are, in my opinion, Playing, they're they're playing winning baseball, and that's because the Central Division is so very poor, in my opinion, very weak. You have Cincinnati and Pittsburgh in that division, and the Chicago Cubs team that's under 500. Matter of fact, except for the Cardinals and the Brewers, everybody else is under 500. This is not a real good division. The Cardinals are, they're 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 fair. They're a fair baseball team. They have some good talent on there. Are they together? No, I I just can't think that they are. Are they going to be? Well, there's there's an awful lot that's dependent on that. As long as they can play the Pirates every day, though, they'll, <laughs> they'll be in great shape. Yeah. <laughs> but the Cardinals are a team, and you, John's a huge Cardinals fan. Mm-hmm. Let's say that right up front. But wouldn't you say that the Cardinals are a team that comes together during the course of the season? They don't come out of the gate as a full group. They usually... Something happens during the course of the year, and that's what clicks and makes the course makes them change course. They're great about finding a rallying point. You know, whether it was Daryl Kyle passing away years ago and the run they went on after that, whether it was last year and the players only meeting that spurred them to the record, you know, winning streak, they do come together and gel. There's some positive things happening this year, but Marmol is a new coach. He's very young. It takes a little bit for things to get in gear. Um, some encouraging things, Paul Goldschmidt, if, if anybody's followed his career, is traditionally a extremely slow starter. Almost horrible for the first month or two of the season. He's batting three. 40 something right now and is just on fire right now, which is very uncharacteristic. Uh, Today, Steven Matz went down, had to leave in the first with an injury. Pitching's already thin. So this isn't going to help the situation. Except so, for today when they're up 11 to nothing. Yeah, that doesn't matter at that point. But, yeah. Well, they do have that guy out of the bullpen. What's his name? Um, Albert Pujols? Yes, yes, yes. So I'm sure a starting job would be, you know, the, the two home runs that were golfed out of the park on him. <laughs> but, I mean, they've, they've got pitching concerns big time. I think the offense will gel. They've got too much talent for it not to. Gorman coming up will be a big boost. He's looked good. 
it's, it's the pitching. I don't know if Liberator is the answer. I think he's talented, but I just don't know if he's ever going to put it all together. They really need Flaherty back. They need that ace at the front. And don't let me discount Miles Michaelis. I heard so many people say, why don't we just jettison him? You know, it's been a wasted contract. Well, his 1.4 ERA this year tells a different story. Ned, your thoughts on the Cardinals? Well, uh, uh, as I said, the inconsistency has hurt mm-hmm. them. But, but John is absolutely right. They're pitching. Uh, does Michaelis has been nothing short of outstanding. Yes. <laughs> He's not an overpowering pitcher, doesn't strike out a whole lot of people, nibbles at the corners, and gets his changes of speed. Now, that sometimes works against you. It did the other day against the New York Mets. But then again, the Mets are a power ball club. And uh, the top-level ball clubs are going to be able to feast on something like this. Mm-hmm. But by and large, you, you talk about Flaherty, he just got put on the 60-day disabled mm-hmm. list. I'll be surprised if he even plays this year at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, they do have pitching concerns, and if they're looking here at A, the pitching concerns aren't going to be answered by anybody down here <laughs> no. right away. No. So, yeah, that, that does figure into the mix. Kansas City Royals are a team that I really put a lot of credence in and still do. Mm-hmm. It's another one that's very slow getting underway. They've got a very good power base on their ball club, but they can't seem to get everything generated, and their pitching is very much in question as well. And then you look down here at the Northwest Arkansas Naturals. Oh, my goodness sake, do they ever have talent on that ball club? Mm. And I assume the Omaha team does, too. They do. So somewhere along the line, that's going to manifest itself and do a a much better performance. But right now, they're off to a slow start. Nine and a half back in the American League Central, which is traditionally one of the weakest divisions in baseball. Right On top right now is the Minnesota Twins. Uh Little surprising, 24 and 16 record. Surprising because everybody thought the Chicago White Sox would run away with that division. The Sox have not played incredibly well. When you look over the other divisions, Houston Astros are doing extremely well right now. They have uh, had a major winning streak during the course of the season. The Mets are playing really good baseball. The Brewers are playing good baseball in the Central. The Dodgers, which is kind of to be expected, playing well in the West. And the Padres are making a little run here as they're getting back in the uh, mentioning of Mm -hmm. the power teams in baseball. Anything surprised you this point in the season? I think at this point in the season, the two surprises for me are, number one, some of the abysmal batting averages we have through, you know, there are guys batting 160 who are still playing every day. But to counter that, something that I have liked is the emergence of a ton of young talent. We mentioned Kansas City. Bobby Witt Jr., whose average isn't high yet, has shown sparkling, sparkling potential. You've got Adley Rushman, the catcher for Baltimore, that debuted last night. His defensive skills are amazing. He looked great at the plate as well. Julio Rodriguez, which is a name we don't hear a lot about here, he's the center fielder for the Seattle Mariners. He's 20. He's leading the league in steals. He's now up close to 280. And he's got a lot of power. He has a 450-foot home run on his resume this year. They're, uh, they're just a lot of good young players. Alec Baum, who a, a guy that was almost jettisoned by the Phillies last year, is putting together an all-star season at third with the Phillies right now. I'm really, really encouraged by the youth that's coming into the game. And it will continue. A lot of these prospects are running out of places to play as they tear up minor league pitching and you're just going to continue to see this infusion. I think the future is bright. It reminds me a lot of the NBA 
a couple of years ago with the youth movement that mm-hmm. came in. Mm-hmm. Aren't you seeing this, though, to be more and more the case that the uh, the upper level guys in Major League Baseball and the youth movement with Major League, Major League Baseball is squeezing a lot of guys out of the game? It is. And you start to, you know, lose track of guys Mm-hmm. that played Major League Baseball. One of the kind of big stories yesterday was Justin Upton, who was mm-hmm. considered a really, really good Major League Baseball player. I won't say great, but four-time All-Star. Mm-hmm. He's been out of a job, and he got signed yesterday by the Mariners. He's 34, and yeah. we're talking about him being out of a job. Yeah, he's 34 years old, and and it's, so we're seeing a lot of mid-level guys being squeezed out of the game. Mm-hmm. Well, yes, and that's partially by design because of the financial circumstances involved. But by the same token, it's it's a game of fluctuating rosters. It's always going to be that. You don't have, Joe, you have to understand, this has changed so much since the early 1970s. Before free agency, you had a set team. Mm-hmm. You want to play, you're going to play for that team. That doesn't exist anymore. You have players right and left going almost like a transfer portal in a way in, in professional sports. And as long as that continues to be the case, and it will forever, I assume, and then you're going to have circumstances in which you'll see the ownership saying, okay, what have you done for me lately? Sorry about that. Your contract's up. We're not going to renew it because of your age or your physical disabilities or whatever. They're it just circumstances that 40, 50 years ago didn't exist mm-hmm. but do now. Uh, look at a guy like Brett Gardner, oh. who's not playing currently, and mm-hmm. he was uh, the longest tenured Yankee, mm-hmm. and they did not offer him a contract this season, but there was some you know, talk around the club that he would be back. In fact, they left his locker open in mm-hmm. spring training, <laughs> and he's not caught on with anybody. And again, I think uh, this is part of the economics of the game that we're probably going to see more and more of over the next few years is that we'll see these guys that make the big bucks make the really, really big money, especially position players, not so much pitchers, but mm-hmm. position players, that they'll they'll get their big contracts, they'll get their due at the table, but it's and then there will be the the rookies, the incoming guys, and then those middle round guys, those middle sort of players, they're the ones that are that are gone and out of the game right now. Mm-hmm. Let me ask you this. Uh, let's talk about Gorman for just a second. He mm-hmm. played down here last year, playing second base for the Cardinals this year on the big team. What are your thoughts? What have you seen well, so far? Gorman has a lot of talent. He showed it down <laughs> here last year. You knew he wasn't going to be here all that much longer, and he wasn't. He went to mm-hmm. Memphis, and now he has earned himself a place on the big club, as you knew he would. Another player who was down here last year was Yepes, Juan Yepes, mm-hmm. and he has come on now. He's probably going to probably going to level off somewhere along the line because he was a, he's a talent, of mm-hmm. course, but probably not at the same level as in Nolan Gorman. And there are others who had uh, a brief cup of coffee down here before advancing on. This is it's really fascinating to me to see the Springfield Cardinals players who are up there. They populate the team now. Yes, they, they they're do. They're very much a part of it. Kisner is doing the bulk of the catching now for a Yachty. It's... it's It's a game in progress in regards to the levels of players who are coming and going. That's the way it was designed and the way it's going to continue to be. Mm -hmm. I completely agree. The future's bright for the Cardinals. They have a fantastic farm system right now. Um, You know, Molina, if this is his last year, we mentioned Kisner, who I think is a great player. They have Yachty 2.0 right now with Yvonne Herrera down on the farm. This kid looks fantastic, and Molina has mentored him. 
And then you've got guys like Gorman. Gorman coming up, he was completely blocked. He's a third baseman by trade. Obviously, we have a third baseman. You might know him. So for him to make a position switch to second and adapt as quickly, it reminds me, and Ned, you'll remember this. I don't know if most casual fans will. It's almost when they asked Skip Schumacher because they wanted him in the lineup to learn to play second base, and he did it on the fly. On the fly. Yep. (laughs) Gorman's done the same thing. He's drawn rave reviews from Jose Okendo, which if you get a defensive compliment from him, you're doing something right. He's patient, he's mature, and his power has the potential to be epic. Absolutely here, here. I fully agree. We saw him here last year, as mm-hmm. as we mentioned. And yeah, his defensive abilities. Tell you another one who has uh, another former Springfield Cardinal mm-hmm. whose defense was so outstanding when he was down here and it's manifested itself in the majors is a Bader. Oh, Harrison absolutely. Bader. Game changer in center field. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. We'll be back in a minute. We'll talk a little bit about additions and subtractions with the Kansas City Chiefs. 104.7 The Cave. You're listening to Ned Talk on 104.7 The Cave, part of the Kansas City Chiefs Radio Network. Back to Ned Talk on 104.7 The Cave. A proud member of the Kansas City Chiefs radio network. Moving ever closer to a Kansas City Chiefs football season. They had OTAs this last week with a lot of the rookies coming into the camp and doing their thing. And I said, I teased before we went into the break about additions and subtractions, mainly a subtraction this week. Melvin Ingram signed with the Finns. So he is no longer a Kansas City Chiefs uh, player. So I know everybody loved his energy, mm-hmm. what he brought to the Chiefs. You saw a big turnaround in their defense when he came to the team. The Chiefs made an offer to him, but he did not stay. He is gone now. So what did the Chiefs do? Well, they get compensation for him. That was one of the the perks of the contract offer that they made to him. Mm-hmm. I really think, though, they had the feeling he was going to return. Mm-hmm. But Miami has scooped him up, and he'll do a good job for them. Will they miss him? You bet, you bet your life they will. <laughs> uh, he was was a big help. Now, keep in mind, he was only with the Chiefs half a season. Mm-hmm. That, that was it. No more. But, yes, he allowed. The reason he helped him so much was he allowed... Chris Jones to go back to his normal position again, and he could fill this. Now, Ingram had his share of sacks, and I remember the one one play that sticks out in my mind, a game against Denver when he forced that fumble, and uh, Bolton took it all the way for a touchdown. That was a game-breaker right there. So, yes, he was effective, but he's also 33 years old. Uh And so are you going to wail and cry and gnash your teeth and so forth? No, no, because there are people coming in who will in time, maybe not right away, but will in time be able to fill this position. That's the nature of pro football and the nature of the talent that you have coming in. It's an influx of really top-level college players Mm -hmm. and free agents. The Chiefs could very well go out and sign another free agent somewhere along the line, although they're free agents for a reason. But the fact remains, they'll miss him to some extent, but I, I'm quite a, quite sure that the Chiefs will be able to fill that position with a capable player. Looks like they've got on the depth chart, according to ESPN website, they have George Karloftis in that number one spot for mm-hmm. the team. And that, again, allows Chris Jones and Frank Clark to kind of play in their natural positions and not be 
so far out. The trouble is that Karloftis, while a good player at Purdue, is still a rookie. Yeah. And this is a far cry from the Big Ten Conference <laughs> and the games that they play. This is an altogether different level. Well, that's what I was going to say. I mean, get the thoughts of both of you. I mean, they're putting a lot on a rookie right away, but apparently yeah. they feel that he's the guy. This is going to be an interesting year because with the departure of Ingram, again, you know, from a player perspective, he did a good job. Was, is he a, did he do a superb job? Not really, but he did from an energy perspective. He changed the look of that defense at the right time, so it will hurt. You've got a couple of young guys this year that it's time to step up, become leaders. Nick Bolton is a guy I would look to to replace that energy. He is a absolute fantastic player on the defense. Another guy that I've mentioned before that I think is underrated and can become that vocal leader is Juan Thornhill. It's time for him to show and make good on that potential. It's not a bad thing to have all these rookies, Joe, because they're really hungry and they can energize a clubhouse, you know, one that's gone through the motions. So, you know, guys coming in like Karloftis, guys coming in like Sky Moore, they can do a lot to energize. And I know from OTAs, the reports coming in on Moore are sterling. They like him a lot. So I hope some of these players step up into the leadership roles they need to. You don't have Matthew this year. You don't have Ingram. That's going to hurt. So you need some of the guys to step up and fill those spots. Deb, what do you think? You know, you mentioned, too, uh, you mentioned Sky Moore coming in. He'll, of course, be on the offensive side. Mm -hmm. And I don't care what you say. You, he's, he is a good player. He does come from... Western Michigan, I believe it is, the Mid-America Conference. Mm -hmm. His level of competition, while it was Division One, mm -hmm. was not upper-level Division right. One. It's more of a, a mid, I hesitate to call it mid-major one, but over and above that, that's really what the MAC is. Mm -hmm. He's not Tyreek Hill. Oh, no. Nobody is going to be <laughs> Tyreek Hill. No. And the Chiefs will miss him. Now, can you compensate for it? Of course you can. That's why you have the athletic nature of these individuals coming in. That's who they are. But in terms of replacing that individual, no. The Chiefs are going to have to come up with different formulas. That's why I really like what Mahomes did and having a lot of his receivers. And he put the bill for them going down to his home in Texas Loved and it. working out. I, I thought that was a great idea. Mm -hmm. And defensively, as I mentioned earlier, yeah, you're going to you're going to miss uh, Melvin Ingram, of course, and and um, and Matthew, Tyran mm -hmm. Matthew. You'll miss him as their well as their leadership. That's what you miss. Their veteran leadership in the clubhouse. You have to have somebody taking over, and I think they have the people to get that done. Mm -hmm. I got to sound like a broken record a little bit here, but I've over the last couple of weeks I've watched a lot of Justin Ross, and I think. <clears throat> Hopefully you can make the team. Hopefully you can stay healthy. I think that was the, the big mm -hmm. knock on him, why he didn't stay in the draft. He, he had spinal fusion surgery. Mm -hmm. And I think that he possibly could be a guy that sneaks in and makes a big difference for this team mm -hmm. on the offensive side of the ball. Obviously, they're putting a lot on Karlofkis to start out the season with him being number one on the deck on the depth chart that they have posted online right now. I like that linebacking core. I think mm -hmm. that Willie Gay, Nick Bolton, Jermaine Carter Jr., I think that's a really good, solid. But the question mark again here is when we look at the secondary, and I like the moves that they've made, Trent McDuffie and Justin Reed, two huge pickups 
this season for the Kansas City Chiefs. And we'll see how that all works out as we move closer to the season. It's hard to believe that we're, you know, we're talking OTAs and we'll be talking not very long from now when they hit uh, training camp. And then in August, <laughs> we'll be talking about pregame and we'll be doing our uh, or preseason and we'll be doing our shows here on whatever day those are. We have baseball, we have hockey, we have basketball, all to go through, and championship golf before all of that happens. We do. And yeah. USFL. There'll be a USFL championship <laughs> right. that we'll have to talk about. I don't is, is there a USFL sighting? That's what <laughs> I, I've watched moments of games. I couldn't tell you uh, which team. I know the New Jersey Generals. I recognize mm-hmm. that team. But the rest no, of them, I'm, come, I'm all kind of like. You know why he recognizes the team? You know who used to own them. That's why you recognize oh. the team. Well, did Steinbrenner own that team? And Donald Trump owned Donald Trump owned oh, did he? oh, yeah, that's yeah. right. That That's right. I do remember that he owned that team. Yeah, no, no. I, I did, that was one of the teams that, that its name stuck out to me mm-hmm. uh, when they played back in the day. Back in the day. Well, but, they you also know, had Herschel Walker and some yeah. really great Walker. players. I remember all the money they were throwing around. Oh, yeah. I mean, Steve Young signed a contract. I remember my best friend at the time, he said... He never has to throw a complete pass again for the rest of his life. <laughs> right. And for, he didn't. Yeah, for, what, for what? I don't remember what team he signed for. I think uh, mm-hmm. who else played that? Flutie played in that league, didn't Reggie he? Reggie White started off there. Uh, Jim Kelly. Kelly. Jim, Jim Kelly. Kelly. Jim yeah. Kelly was in there. Shortly. I mean, those lineups were absolutely stacked. And they were, they were throwing around some big money to try to get guys away from the NFL. And I just don't mm-hmm. think we'll ever see that. As far as the startup league no. ever come around again, and you just want to that end, They also had big crowds. At the yes, game. they did. The, uh, the generals, it was not at all uncommon for them to have 55, 60,000 people. And, and again, when you have that appeal of the big names, there was a bidding war going on, and there was some thought that this league might make it. Mm-hmm. Eventually, it did not. It ran out of money, but that's what's going to happen, in my opinion, to all of them that try an off-season league. It, it just doesn't resonate. All right. Well, that's our thoughts on the OSFL. I know everybody was riveted to the radio, <laughs> wanting to hear that. When we come back, we'll talk about what we're watching this afternoon. It's Ned Talk on 104.7 The Cave. You're listening to Ned Talk on 104.7 The Cave, part of the Kansas City Chiefs Radio Network. Back to Ned Talk. On 104.7, The Cave. A proud member of the Kansas City Chiefs Radio Network. Cloudy today with a uh, no chance of rain, so that's good. Some sun, 64 for a high, overnight low right around 44. And then tomorrow, sunny and in the 60s, the rain rolls back around on Tuesday. And that brings us to how we wrap up our show every week. We talk about what we're going to watch on TV this afternoon, Sunday being, of course, the big sporting day. Ned, are you going to go home, slip off the shoes, lay on the couch, and watch some golf? Zero. I've got some trimming to do (laughs) because it is going to be not raining outside, so I'm going to trim around a little bit. And then there's a function going on tonight over at the Plaster Sports Complex that I'm going to attend. It's meet Bobby Petrino and meet the Bears and so Mm. forth and so on. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. That's pretty exciting. What is? Why didn't we get invited? <laughs> Man, I wish you could see Ned's face right now. 
I wish I wish he could. There's a lot of things I know that are going through his mind that he wants to say, but he's not going to say because he's a professional broadcaster. That's right. He doesn't want to go Silence out. Silence is golden. Yes. <laughs> are you afraid that we would embarrass you? No, no, no. no, no I don't no, think no, that's no, the concern. No, no, no. Uh-uh. no. just we're we're too low brow for it. I think no. is just what it is. No, heavens, no. Yeah. Okay. So, what are you going to go home and watch, John? Uh, I've got a lot of packing to do because I'm going to be moving in the next week. Um, John's that's, new address is. Oh, yeah. Thanks. <laughs> uh, so I'm going to do that, and then one thing I've had a lot of fun with. You know, I'm not happy with having the MLB package that I can't watch the Cardinals. You know, that's a pain in the neck for me. But, you know, I have got to tune in for, like, Rushman's debut last night. I've got to watch a lot of the young players. So I'm just going to watch some out-of-market baseball, you know, watch a few games and enjoy that in the background. I think the uh, Sunday night game is the second game of the of the day between the Yankees and the White Sox. Mm-hmm. It yeah. is. It is. Uh, you know, I don't know what to say about that. <laughs> I really don't know what to say about that. Yeah. I don't know. Because, I, I, you know... But for those of you who don't, I don't want to always turn this into something of being about the Yankees because there's not, you know, it's not a Yankee fan base here or anything. But Josh Donaldson made a remark yesterday on the field, uh, not good. And uh, so there's a lot of there's a lot of fringe stuff going on around this club that makes me kind of unhappy. I was not happy with the Donaldson trade as it was. Yeah. Understandably so. Being that as it may, though, there's some big events coming up this week. Missouri Mm -hmm. Valley Conference Tournament is here in town. Hammonds Field starts on Tuesday, and the Bears, Missouri State, will be in that play-in round on Mm -hmm. Tuesday. They play Illinois State. That's the interesting factor. It's a double elimination tournament except for the first round. Ooh, okay. Then you lose, and it's sayonara. That's a play-in round. So you Mm -hmm. lose, you're gone. It came to Wednesday. Double elimination. Okay. And that will all conclude on the 28th uh, with the winner, of course, is the automatic NCAA qualifier. Congratulations to the lady. I'm sorry. Don't call them the lady bears. They are the Missouri State Bears softball team. Mm -hmm. Went to the regional up in Columbia. Did win a game. Knocked off Illinois from the Big Ten Conference. But... uh, Lost twice to Mizzou. Mm -hmm. And the final time was last night, a 2-0 game. See that? That's why he's a professional broadcaster. He, he moved us off the preps, precipice of turning this into a Yankees program <laughs> and talked about some local sports. Way to go, Ned. Way to go. You're such a pro. L-O-C-A-L. We're local. <laughs> local. Are we? No, I think people listen. There's people listening all over the country to this thing. No, nobody. No. <laughs> Not the show. Way to destroy my illusions, Ned. <laughs> if I wanted my dreams stamped on, I would have married you. All right. Good Lord, no. <laughs> <laughs> Want to say thanks to Corbin Campbell, Mike the Intern, Brian Tyndall, and Nick Fury. We will see you guys next Sunday, Memorial Day weekend, at noon for Ned Talk, right here on 104.7 The Cave. Yeah.